Welcome to Podcast 101. 101, eh? You're in the 101 room. Hmm. I'm Heather from Wiggly Wigglers. I'm Richard from Wiggly Wigglers. Well, I'm Farmer Phil. This week, we are going to redefine the chocolate rating. Sorry for sounding a bit down, but obviously, it comes to something when you have to redefine the chocolate rating due to listeners, but <laughs> no matter. <laughs> I'm bigger than all this. <laughs> Because I've had a lot of chocolate. No <laughs> beer the rating week. then, Rich. No, it doesn't look like it, Phil. No, no, no. We'll carry on with the chocolate rating. What are we going to rate, though? Well, we, we rated the chocolate that we tasted mm. against the old chocolate rating. Yeah. So, obviously, that means that we had a Cadbury's defined as a Nestle, right. maybe, and a Milker, which was a Milker, ended up being defined as a... I'm losing my will to live. <laughs> anyway, the point is that... We'll now have to redefine the chocolate rating so that the chocolate rating will be as the chocolate tastes alongside a little bit of ethics of the chocolate. Right. Are you with me? No. Farmer Phil? I've gone to sleep for a moment. (laughs) I was actually contemplating Ricardo's shirt because he has another fine example on this morning. (laughs) What Phil said this morning. What have you got on? (laughs) Look at the state of him. That's ridiculous. (laughs) What have you got on? Look at it. Is his shirt inside out or not? It looks as though you've been working in a coal yard all week. I mean, some... Phil said this is clean. Some cheapskate... (laughs) Some cheapskate over there sewed the buttons on one side and the pocket on the inside. It is is an interesting point that then, in fact, the shirt has a pocket on the inside. (laughs) Are you sure you've got it on the right way? Well, the buttons are all this the right way, so I've got to look at it. We've had loads of congratulations on our 100th podcast. Here's one from Pete Galley. If I had neighbours, they would think I'm mad. I've been listening to Podcast 100 on my iPod while working outside this evening and laughing my head off. It was absolutely brilliant. Even our Shetland ponies started to look oddly at me. I hope someone took action pictures of the intrepid tasters in their bags. That was absolutely fantastic. I don't know which bit I like the best. The double bagger comment, (laughs) the laser display comment, or Heather's plaintive wail when discovering that Milka was no longer a Milka. What have you done? (laughs) As for poor old Pemberton's chocolate, you cannot slate them if they are a small company. Give them another chance. Pete in the hills. I quite agree. That was such a pity to slate Pemberton's, but we had to be true to the tasting. So uh, I am totally up for some more chocolate. Uh, <laughs> from Pemberton's. From Pemberton's. <laughs> Just to be on the safe side. Yes, because Even I do though think... you did take it out of your mouth, half-chewed, and, and spread it all over the table. Mm, I'm just wondering if it was an old batch or something. I don't know. <laughs> oh, I don't know. You know, the reason I got it is because I really admire the company and they've won tons of gold and silver awards at all sorts of prestigious chocolate-tasting venues worldwide. Right, Okay. But, as I said, we have to be true to the chocolate tasting and it was rank and I did spit it out. So, sorry about that, but we'd love to try some more. (laughs) Well, I suppose it is a matter of taste because I assume that Hershey's do manage to sell some chocolate to somebody and I assume somebody does like Hershey's. Quite possibly millions of bars. Don't be ridiculous, Philip. 
<laughs> Sorry. <laughs> of course they don't. It's absolutely awful. It's because they don't know any better. We've got Roddy Llewellyn coming up on the show. You had a chat to him, didn't you? little chat with Roddy Llewellyn, yeah. Yeah, and I know you've been down to Terry Walton, so that's coming up on a show soon. Brilliant day. Was it? It was, yeah. Tidy. Tidy. It was really, really good, it was. <laughs> was it? <laughs> it, was a, it was a lovely day. I love it. I love spending time with him. Did you fix his M Audio recording device? No. Funny that. <laughs> thought you were a what? Oddly, oddly. Anyway, shall I tell you a story? Yeah. Shall I tell you a story? Because I'll have to tell the listener a little bit about what you've been up to as well. But that's the side. <laughs> I went, I went, I went down there, and uh, Terry Scott. He wants to start his own podcast, right? And he was advised to get something, this, this piece of equipment. Actually, he probably would have, should have spoken to Michael first, really. Anyway, bought this bit of stuff off eBay, and I got down, and he said, "I've got this stuff." What do you think? A microphone's a bit big, isn't it? Like, you know, a microphone that's about 20 foot tall. <laughs> and, and I asked, well, I mean, it should work perfectly well. I'm sure it does work perfectly well. A little mini CD recording device, you know, probably probably just a job, really. And he gave it to me. He said, I, no, I, I need they? to wipe it, wipe this stuff, wipe the CD so I can get all the stuff on it, you know, and listen to it. And he, he said, uh, it's not blocked at all, is it? I looked at it thinking, oh, I don't know. Anyway, so I tried to put it in the machine. That, so that, that in itself was <laughs> difficult. He said, there's only four ways you can and get it in and a four-sided thing <laughs> are we talking about times, <laughs> rich are we <laughs> talking about a mini disc player here? Yes, is this are. the problem this is a, this is a, a mini disc player all right so i tried to erase this little mini disc you to, did to, yeah and I, so I you who can't actually the, switch your computer on pressed a few buttons you yeah pressed a few buttons. he said i thought you were a technocrat <laughs> <laughs> that's very accurate i said no terry you've got the wrong bloke <laughs> So we put that aside because it didn't work. Anyway, so I went back to the car and I got a little, uh, the RM audio, you know, for our little roving Ricardo reports and stuff. Moving on now. So, to no, no, but I should say this. Oh. Anyway, so I turned it on and it wouldn't, it didn't seem to be, it appear the bars just weren't shooting across the screen at all. So they were obviously not absorbing any sound. And I thought, this is very obviously. odd. Obviously. So I started pressing a few buttons thinking, well, you know, again, uh, give me some options. No, wouldn't work. Fortunately, I had my little iPod. So that was cool. So I went back and got that. But as it transpired, the, <laughs> the M audio of which you'd taken out previously to do a couple of interviews, which the listener won't be able to listen to <laughs> because you'd plugged the mic into the wrong socket. And, and perhaps it was a bit remiss of me not to check, but having used the thing for what, a year, a couple of years now, mm. of it looking exactly the same, didn't even occur to me to, to check it. Ridiculous manufacturer, isn't it? Oh, definitely. That the same yeah. hole is right. available to do two different things. Yeah. Far be it from me, but yeah. I know somebody who would say that I think there's a training need over there with the pair of you. Podcast 100. <laughs> Karen Burn- Burnham says, absolutely magical. Megan Glover says, Congratulations on Podcast 100, Wiggly Wigglers. I have to admit that the first time I heard one of your podcasts, I was wondering what these people are about. I originally downloaded it because the name Wiggly Wigglers led me to believe that there would be a wealth of information about my new purchase here in the US, a magic worm ranch. (laughs) Even though I found that not exactly to be true of the podcast. Smiley. The wiggly lot of you still got me addicted after a few episodes. I now look forward to my weekly dose of what Heather has termed info merriment. 
I think that's quite a fitting description of your podcast. So thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedules every week to keep us entertained and somewhat informed on activities at Lower Blakemere Farm, ethically and tastefully approved chocolates, what we can do or should not do for environment on a local and a global scale, cats, and oh yes, composting with worms. Keep the podcast coming, <laughs> Megan. Lovely. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Mm. And we had a letter in from Patrice Reed, And she says, Hi Heather, here is a sample of our local chocolate made by a lovely man who learned to make chocolate in Europe and luckily for us has settled in Eureka and now has a thriving business. This is California. You should smell the shop when entering. I was wondering how it compares to Milka. I don't know if the rating is based on dark or milk, so I sent one of each. Hope this makes sense to you without melting before you hop across the pond. If you travel as far as Amy Stewart's and want to see one more garden, you're welcome to visit. Happy tasting. Patrice. P.S. Be sure Farmer Phil gets a morsel. After all of his going on about how you shouldn't beg for chocolate, it was clear to me that it was really he who was after the chocolate. Ah, rumbled. (laughs) Anyway, we've only got the dark chocolate here today. Why would that be, Heather? Uh, Because I ate the the milk chocolate. (laughs) You sat down there and scoffed a lot, didn't you? So we've got some dark chocolate. It's a Eureka bar and it's from California. And now obviously it can't become part of the chocolate rating because we've done that and I can't go through that again. But what do you think of it? Well, as a liker of dark chocolate, I would choose dark chocolate over milk chocolate, but any's fine, as Patrice has correctly identified. I thought it was very good. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very fine. Some dark chocolate is quite bitter, and it's not. It's smoother than that, isn't it? It's very good. I like it. And the milk is lovely, but it's gone now, so there yeah, we are. But thank you very much. So, shall we get to redefining the chocolate rating, or shall we go to Roddy Llewellyn? Let's go to Roddy. Interesting, Blake. We uh, we sort of part sponsored the Herefordshire Festival of Flowers. It was a great event, and actually they were very very lucky with the weather. Hereford's Cathedral was laid out with all sorts of goodies, and they had I didn't various like people. It. No, you went, didn't you? And uh, yeah, you, you weren't particularly inspired. Not by the flowers. They were a bit exotic. Right, right. I can well imagine. Um, anyway, they, they had a couple of people: Roddy Llewellyn, Sir Roy Strong, and uh, David Howard from Highgrove. These guys come along and they were giving talks. Mainly Sir Roy Strong and, and Roddy Llewellyn would talk about the I mean they're garden designers, artists amongst many other things, but they were talking about the formal gardens that they'd created really and I think the audience were appreciative of that kind of sentiment and you know, that's what they wanted to know about. So Box quite different quite different to, Yeah, quite different to what we, <laughs> we try to encourage people to do in fact. But you know equally uh, it had moments of interest I, I, I suppose. <laughs> but no I, no, no, I don't mean to be Anyway. And uh, I, spoke, I spoke to uh, Roddy Llewellyn, had a really interesting chat with him. He's a nice bloke, really kind of down-to-earth bloke. His talk was uh, in- inspiration, inspired ideas about garden design, formal gardens, and experiences that he's had and whatnot, and gardens that he's created. So, um, so it's great. And uh, so we had a chat, a little interview, and I asked him a few things. Fantastic. Let's hear it now. And next year, hopefully, when they do it, I'd love to see them using English flowers in the cathedral, mm. not just those exotica but anyway good luck to them they had tons and tons of visitors by friday evening they'd have nine and a half thousand and they were expecting ten thousand altogether so they got That's one very more day good. to go that is very good fantastic for mm. hereford mm. to bring people in here we are with roddy 
I should say it's lovely to meet you. It's a pleasure to meet you. Very nice. I thoroughly enjoyed your, your talk. As Thank well. you. Now, I don't know whether you've... Um, are you familiar with Wiggly Wigglers? Well, um, I have been recently, yes. Okay. I'm very impressed by your catalogue. Right, OK. Well, that's good. That's, I, I think it's I'm just angling for a few free plants. Absolutely, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was interesting, you, you the, the point you made about the only two significant native shrubs that you were aware of mm. that had any real vigour mm. vibrancy mm. were, um, were Gelder Rose. The Gelder Rose, um, Viburnum opulus, and the spindleberry, Euonymus uh, europaeus. Spindle is uh, gorgeous. I mean, we've, got, we've got a lot of home. Yeah. It's very sort of lime and whatnot. Yeah. And it's, uh, it's, it's everywhere. It's very yeah. prolific. But I was thinking, you know, what about older buckthorn? That's a, that's a, that's oh, that's a not too man. bad either. Yes, um, no, I'm sure there are more. But I would like to tell you a, v- a very interesting historical fact. That okay. uh, Greta Garbo, right. who we all know, had, has, has been... Uh, has always been misquoted throughout the years. What very few people knew that, in fact, she was an extremely experienced and knowledgeable horticulturalist. Right. And she's always been misquoted. And what she actually said was, I want to be alone. <laughs> That's very good. <laughs> That's very good, yeah. Have you, I, I don't, I've never heard that one. Well, never. Not, well so, not many people know that. No. <laughs> Is that something you've conjured up? It's especially for me. <laughs> that's where uh, it's been a long day. It has. Yeah. Have you, yes. you, if you, you're familiar with Herefordshire. Mm. You, you, you well, I was brought up in Monmouthshire. Right, OK. Well, that's a beautiful county. So. Near Abergavenny. Right. And, the, and then my parents went on living there until they died, quite, well, about ten years ago. OK. Mm, right. Less, less. So you made frequent visits then to Monmouthshire? Yes, 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 yes. Where, I mean, it is my home now? county. Where, well, I'm now based in Oxfordshire. Well, in fact, we've let, led a somewhat peripatetic married life. We've moved and moved and moved. But now we, we hope, we think we found the last... Final resting place. Right. Okay. Where I do, uh, no doubt we won't. I won't be carried out in a box. I shall be carried out in a zipped bag, whatever right. they call right. those horrible things. Oh God. And um, <laughs> but I think that South Warwickshire is such a pretty part of the world. It is. Warwickshire is beautiful, definitely. Mm. It's uh, it's interesting the uh, the remarks, some of the remarks you made during your talk about mm. some of the because there's a great deal of effort that goes into gardening and some of the, the creative prowess and the energy involved mm. in that in your previous abode. Mm. You mentioned that yeah. it was such a, it was a kind of yeah. real strain to leave, yeah. and yeah. it must be a real strain to leave. So why yeah. do you why do you do it? Why do you put so much energy into creating this wonderful space around you, and then leave and start it all over? Because again? I like painting pictures. L- laying out a garden is very very similar to painting a picture, right. except of course the oil goes on moving on the canvas. This is where part knowledge comes in so useful. You've got to know how big things are going to grow, what shape they're going to grow to, which is why when you first plant a garden, especially when it comes to trees, one of the main vital bones of the garden's skeleton is to know how far apart to plant trees. And if they look ridiculously far apart, you've got it right. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And do you, do you ever feel you you've got it right? I mean, uh, presumably. Well, they take years and years and years to mature. Of course. Right. It takes time, and um, I get huge satisfaction out of planting trees in any case because I think it's a noble thing to do. 
yeah. uh, to plant for posterity and for future generations. And it's a very nice thought, really, that one's leaving this earth a nicer place than when one found it. Right, right. There, there are two similarities between yourself and Sir Roy Strong that, oh. uh, that I can I, I, I've immediately noticed. I see. Not the, the, the first one is you, you were both uh, thinking about death quite a lot, which... Uh, oh, well, you do when you get to a certain age. <laughs> yes. And, uh, and the, the second one is that uh, you both shattered any illusion that I might have had about yous being slow-growing, because, yeah. uh, as Roy was saying yeah. yesterday, about um, how relatively fast they, they, yeah. they grow, and, sure. uh, and you were saying exactly the same thing. But what is it about you that inspires you so much? Is it because it's easy to is it easy to propagate? Is it easy to shape? Well, it's an obvious choice because it's indigenous. Right, good. That's always good. And therefore, you know you're not going to fail with it. Right. Two, it's such a useful plant to use to grow things in front of it, like, for instance, some of the artichoke on a pordon or something with with wonderful sculptural bright silver leaves because they stand out so well using the U as a foil behind and also it can be clipped so neatly right and it's very robust though and it's very robust but as I was mentioning that I like exclamation marks in gardens as well now if we we are beginning to entertain Cypress um, Sempervirens right Supressus Sempervirens which, of course, one usually only saw around the Mediterranean region before, but now with our milder weather, we can easily entertain it here. Okay. Of course, the, the, the only one we've been able to grow is the Irish yew, Taxus baccata fastigiata. But I think Taxus baccata fastigiata robusta is just that little bit better. It's stronger, as its name suggests, and it's better with snow damage. It's less susceptible to snow damage. Not that we see very much snow anymore, but, I mean... And it's a neater plant. It's a very, very good plant. What's, I mean, obviously, you're a well-renowned garden designer, but mm. what has taken you to the path that you've, you're, you're heading along now? At what point did you realise your real strengths? Well, I haven't come to that point in my life at all because the, the shape of a garden really depends on the house to which it belongs to. OK. And therefore, the style that you adopt or the, the layout you adopt will almost entirely be dictated to by the house. Right, OK. That's interesting, sir. And you're, of course, you're absolutely right. <laughs> That's very true. Um, gardening for wildlife. Are, yeah. you, are you conscious of... I'm very, very conscious indeed of the importance of restoring what's left of our ecology and and to have some knowledge of how dependent insects and plants and birds are all so interdependent. Because when you get rid of one, you destroy that vital chain. You cut out the link. And it's, it's actually, when you think what man has done to his globe, it's nothing less than scandalous. It's, it was an interesting point you made earlier about our importing timber yeah. when we've uh, systematically destroyed yeah. a, a plethora of forests that yeah. we once had yeah. here yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and consequently importing all sorts of dodgy diseases in the process. Yes, well, I mean, it's, it's so sad to think that England was this wonderful emerald isle, this huge impenetrable forest of oak and... Um, elm, elm, I mean, if you elm, think about elm, what a, what a beautiful elm. tree... And now you think we've lost all those because of imported wood from wherever it was. I think it was Canada. And it's just, it's just so unthinking and 
insane. So how do we, we how do we change our ways then? For your well, I mean, they've put in rules and regulations, and you, everything has to be passed and tested, and I don't know what. And and I suppose that's the only way about it. I don't know. I haven't. I've never considered running any country. I don't suppose it's particularly easy. <laughs> no, I, I think um, you're probably right. Whoever you are, no, it's an uh, you have. Yeah. Yes, it's interesting. Right. I mean, you have to put in these rules and regulations, which, of course, is why it's it's better and safer in a way, much safer, of course, to grow from seed whenever you can. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you very much for that. No, not at all. Food for thought. No, lovely. Okay. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Anyway. Seeing as you've up, my liege, with your little interviews, should we have another little roving Ricardo report? You're just getting out of hand now, aren't you? You're just jealous because Monty and Will did an exquisite combine recording and completely wrecked your career. I am, I am, uh, completely. (laughs) Yeah, why not? What have you got? I I went to see my lovely mate Terry. Yep. When I turned up there, we went down and we had a look at his stunning hanging baskets. Okay, we'll have a listen to your Terry Walton piece. Terry, it's brilliant to see you again. It seems like a long time since we last met. A lot of water's been under the bridge since then. Well, absolutely, especially in the Eddyford where you live. I think there's a lot of water yeah. on the ground, let alone under the bridge. Yeah, that's yeah shocking, it's been a shocking. shocking, shocking summer, hasn't it? Yeah. And, I mean, it the, the old garden has really uh, paid the price of that, particularly the stuff you see around you now. I mean, that, the hanging baskets, the pots and the urns. I tell you what, it's amazing. You know, I've just walked in here. I mean, when we met a couple of months ago for the first time, I came in your back garden and it was all in its infancy. And you were going to tell me how it would look and what you'd done. But it's just a, a massive of colour, you know, it's, it gets, the, the hanging baskets are abundant. I mean, what have you done to make them so huge? I, I know it's a couple of the smaller ones are going over now, like you say, they've outgrown themselves, but they're just the ones that are on the house are astonishing. Well, it's amazing because I mean, really, throughout the summer, we haven't had the benefit of this amount of colour. We haven't really come out anyway because it's been too wet. But I mean, you, you must take compliment for this because you brought along those two Pakashi units. Right. And I've been constantly filling these up with my uh, kitchen waste, draining off this liquid, and daily adding it to my watering can and giving these a feed. Wow. So, I mean, they really have and you benefited. And do you think that's really made a difference then? Fantastic. I mean, I normally get a good show. I must, I've got to say that anyway. But I mean, there's been, an in, with the weather improving in late August, early September, Plus the feed-in from our Bakashi, you can see it really has kicked in. Yeah, yeah. And that's the only feed they get. I mean, right. so it's got to be working, because without a feed, they would have outgrown their use by now anyway. There's not that much compost in a hanging basket yeah, or sure. a tub. But, I mean, there's them, you, I think if you count the one in front of the shed door there, it must be, what, a couple of thousand flowers on that lawn? It's got to be yeah. easily. I mean, what is that, about, uh, it's about five foot long, something like that? <laughs> probably more now. It's probably over eight, isn't it? If you look three at it, foot probably, wide. It's yeah, it's over eight foot high. And, yeah. and a massive colour. It's yeah. gorgeous. Yeah, yeah, and actually, two, for time of year, it is fantastic. The two other outstanding ones, really, which should have gone over now. If you look at the rest of the busy lizzies in the garden, they've gone over. Yeah. But the two which are well sheltered there, what size would you say they were? God, well, they've got to be like three foot six square, haven't they? Yeah, Something like that. Be, it? so, yeah, fantastic. Yeah. It's a massive colour, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I'm very, very pleased. So, so, no, I'm, so no problems with smells or anything using Bokashi. You haven't, uh, Anthony hasn't moaned about you stinking the place out or anything like that. No, I mean, if you use it properly, and I've really read the instructions, which I don't normally do with anything, I just <laughs> ignore them. But with this, as long as you keep changing it regularly, 
keep draining off every couple of days. Yeah. Give it a couple of weeks of actually in the Bokashi unit itself, dispose of it, start again. It seems right. to work, and the smell is negligible. Right. So you can use it under your outside your back door with no problem at all. What have you used with the uh, when you after you pickled the stuff? Where have you uh, where have you used it? Well, it's got into my green Daleks on the allotments, and right. they're the ones where I collect my bulk waste on the allotments. And I got four of these undergo one time. Right. So what I've done is I've taken bulk waste into that. I've put the Bakashi in between, hoping that's going to accelerate the breakdown of the rest of the compost. Right. So I'm looking for big things from these Daleks next year. Richard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, 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 next yeah. spring there'll be a nasty letter watch, in the book. Watch, <laughs> <laughs> watch this space. That's uh, the tomatoes as well. Have you been feeding those? I've clocked your greenhouse here. You've got a, a, a green, a larger greenhouse on the allotment, but this one here is absolutely. It's an abundance of all sorts of goodies and little tomatoes. What's that? What's this, the stuff you got in the propagator there? Oh, those are little. That's my wife's uh, off cutting of some little plants she grows, which flowered in the spring. I can't remember the name of them. Right, right. Something she fancied as a show, and she's taking a lot of cuttings, and they seem uh, to be very yeah. successful. Gorgeous. But you're unusual. I don't normally grow tomatoes in this one because I have enough coming from the allotments to keep us going. Right. But these are on a variety which is supposed to be black. Okay. I've never seen anything black in nature. Nothing's ever black. Not usually. But they are very, very dark uh, cherry tomatoes. Very, very sweet. Try one of them, Richard. Oh, yeah. See, see what you think Thanks of that. As a, well, they're yeah. kind of a, yeah, they're, they're, they are a slightly peculiar colour, aren't they? Yeah, they're very, so, very deep uh, purple, aren't they? Mm. So, I mean, they're not, not mm-hmm. too. But I've, no, I've, uh-huh. I think, again, they've benefited from the little feeds of the Bakashi. I but really later, when you see the ones on the allotments, my glass house is like a jungle in Borneo now you've got to go right. in there with a machete to find a tomato I'm looking forward to that and that's all come from that's come from your other secret weapon it's come from your wormery right, right. Yeah, they, they've done a fine job of we and that lot yeah fantastic yeah. Uh, well we should look, we'll have to make our way over to development now I think but I mean you know, this is it definitely worked in here and the Bakashis are sitting on my greenhouse staging yeah I've seen I've got your buckets here yeah. so it works quite well doesn't it so yeah. really just something just outside the house I can right. highly recommend right. that. I mean right. I was never into all this stuff before but it seems to have done well it's funny I mean that's the thing is it's very easy to sort of poo poo modern things you know you, you sort of think oh you know it's all a bit newfangled and whatnot. but actually it's not newfangled at all it's just a way of harnessing something that's very very natural and, and that's developed over millennia yeah. in yeah. many respects so um, yeah I think it's the name that puts you off you expect to do some Yin Yang when you got a Bakashi, don't you? Yeah, that's right. We're going to Ying yeah. the day, Yang tomorrow, and Bakashi the day after. You know, we've <laughs> got a new ballroom dance here. Yeah? <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps we need to change the name. <laughs> we need something more. But you couldn't really call it a rotting waste bucket, could you? I mean, we wouldn't go down very well. No, that's right. No, that's no. to be. Uh, that's to be yeah, it's, it's, it conjures all sorts of ideas, Bakashi. <laughs> but I'm sure um, you know yeah. you've got a set of drums if you want them in between. Yeah, yeah, you know, right, you yeah, can no. do lots of things with those. Fantastic. But it works. I think it works anyway, and I've been gardening a long, long time now. Yeah, excellent. And what about, what about froggies this year? Have you had lots of frogs? Yes, yeah. I mean, they obviously, it's a bit warmer this time of day now, so I'm going to see them. But in the evening, on these these misty nights we had at the beginning of last week, yeah. the place is a mass of frogs about door, the size of a ten pence piece. Right, right. And they're all feeding well. And then the trouble is, I think the slugs are a bit big for them and beating them up this year. But uh, <laughs> yeah, in regards to everything else, they, they are feeding well. So I'm, yeah. I'm hoping to have a good uh, good duffy of frogs around this garden next year. Fantastic. Yeah. Excellent. But I mean, yeah, the, the, a pond is an essential. I think if you're going to create natural wildlife in the garden, you need a pond. Right. Everything needs to drink. It needs to come to the water. And it's a fine base for newts and frogs. Doesn't it make a difference as well? Just the sound of water bubbling into it, you know, makes it makes all the difference. It's so atmospheric. Well, 
got my little to go with my bakashi. I got my little Japanese right. bench alongside the wall there, yeah, yeah. so I can sit there with my coffee and a warm. On the few warm summer evenings we get, yeah, drinking that trickle of water and sip my coffee and watch the yeah. watch the fish jumping. Yeah, and, and enjoy the beauty that you've created around you. In fact, well, you get a chance to relax now again and look yeah. at it. If you don't, there's no point in growing if you can't relax no, and look absolutely. at it now again. Yeah. And it's amazing. I mean, it's well into September now, and uh, the garden is looking well. Yeah. So you doing one thing though? It stopped me planting my wallflowers, my pansies, my forget-me-nots, and my bulbs. So yeah. Yeah. My wife won't let me rip this colour out at the moment, which should actually be going now, ready to make room for these. But anyway, I will, we'll make the summer prolong. The seasons are changing. Yeah, Let's prolong the summer. Well, when you come back from holiday, you'll be able to do all that, won't you? It'll well, give you something. What do you mean? When I come back from holiday, I'll be dead. <laughs> <laughs> it's a hell of a responsibility to look after that, lad, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, it is, yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, all my neighbours land up in... Um, Mental institutions with breakdowns have to look at after this look. Yeah, they yeah. go away looking wonderful, and they start to die back, which That's is it. natural. This time you only, oh, it's dying. No. <laughs> What's Terry going to say when he gets back? <laughs> but again, I won't be able to enjoy it. So they want to, if they want to enjoy it, they're going to have to look after it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> anyway, should we head off to the allotment? Let's go and look at the best part. Where all the wormery is, are we? Yeah. Let's go and let's go and catch up on our worms. Let's go. Yeah. There we are. Good day. I know, yes, I enjoyed that. That was good, yep. Yeah. I could take up a few hanging baskets. Nah. Um, over to Phil, who wants to talk about such um, depressing things as foot and mouth. Farmer Phil? Well, it's bad news again, I'm afraid, but in some ways it's good news because today is the 13th of September and we learnt yesterday that we've got another case of foot and mouth down in Surrey and this morning they confirmed that it's the same strain as escaped from the Purbright government facility. Now that bit I consider to be good news because if it hadn't been the same strain it would mean that we'd got another outbreak from some source unknown. So if there is a positive to be drawn from it we know where it's come from. I think it's outrageous that it did come from there and that's no consolation to the unfortunate farmers concerned. It's just outrageous. Why don't we just vaccinate? That's my puzzle. It's a very difficult subject, but the problem with vaccination is that once we vaccinate, we lose our disease-free status as a country because vaccination masks whether you've got foot and mouth or not, and it's like admitting that you have. And but I thought the other European countries vaccinated. I, it is ironic that that is true, but what allows us to export our breeding stock, and it's not an inconsiderable part of the industry, to Europe is our disease-free status. When we lose our disease-free status, they won't allow us to export stock. So what the I think idea is that a much the government is actually responsible for spreading the disease yeah. is just... It's absolutely beyond the pale. And what is more significant in my mind is that, all right, this outbreak hasn't come from this, but we still import food products, meat products, from countries where foot and mouth is endemic. Some of the South American beef-producing countries, they have huge problems with foot and mouth. Foot and mouth has no issues for human health. The meat from foot and mouth cattle has no problems to humans, but, of course, huge problems to the stock themselves. But we import beef from countries that, who have foot and mouth, can't get rid of it. Do you know, last night, Oscar came round, and he and Farmer Phil were sat in the window together, drinking a cup of tea, mm. and do-do-do-do, both of their phones went off. And they had synchronised texts <laughs> right. from the NFU yeah. saying, watch your biosecurity, this disaster has happened. Yeah. And then the phone went, and I picked up the phone, and it was Peter Kendall, who is the head guy of the NFU, with a recorded message telling you exactly what they knew already. Right, and I right. thought, 
Wow, that's amazing. Quite efficient, they, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I think. That's but they, what well, the NFU, the NFU is a national farmers union for those those listeners who don't know, and it is our. It's not a union as in as a trade union, but it is the overarching farming body, political body, who try and look after farming interests. And because farmers in Britain are quite slow to take up the benefits of the internet and email and so on, the percentages are quite low. They've been looking for ways to get information out to farmers quickly. Foot and mouth is a perfect example, and they hit on the fact that the vast majority of farmers do have mobile phones, and therefore text messages and voicemail messages via your landline could be an effective way. And Julia Evans, our county chairman, has been one of the county chairmen really pushing for this. And it was quite a good demonstration that it works. The text arrives, we both read it simultaneously yeah. and, and said, <laughs> but it got the information to us, whereas on the internet or whatever, out on the tractor or whatever you wouldn't have looked at it so fingers crossed we can get it under control anyway more positive note darling what about year of food and farming year of food and farming well of course our listeners have heard us all going on about what the year of food and farming is about it is reconnecting those people who eat the food with those people who produce the food it's as simple as that and it uh, was launched yesterday at Highgrove at Prince Charles's house and he is Jamie Oliver I think that they're particularly keen on targeting children schools because obviously they are the next generation of food consumers they are the ones who it is easiest to reconnect because they're available for education and so various of us have been invited to do things in the context of food and farming I've been invited through LEAF who are helping to coordinate some of this to go with a chef to our local girls school which (laughs) (laughs) used to be next door to the boys school that I went to and it'll be the first time for 35 years that I've been there (laughs) with permission Good Lord. <laughs> but, so there's these sort of ideas to get real farmers, real chefs into schools, show the kids how it works, why it works, what they might like, what they might not like, feedback both ways, explain how it is. And this goes on for a year. And so I think it's a really good thing and it follows on really well from the things that we've been banging on about for some time. And yesterday there was an appointment for Farmer Phil. He has been made um, part of a certain committee. Uh, Would you like to divulge this? Well, uh, again... He was a bit of a reserve, actually. They asked, I don't know, how many people before they went to him. (laughs) Well, it just took them some time to find the right person. (laughs) But as part of this, not not as food and farming, but in the same subject... The Duchy of Cornwall, who are our landlords, Prince Charles's farming arm, if we you like, know. have in Bath pioneered the idea of getting local food into local schools and with considerable success. And our land steward, David Curtis, in, in this area, has decided that it would be a good idea to get Hereford Council fired up and try and get some local Herefordshire food into local Hereford schools. Uh-huh. And this came about because of a, a conversation with a tenant of the Duchy's wife, who happens to be a headmistress of a primary school, who was bemoaning the difficulties of getting decent food in the schools. And so it's gone from there. David has set up a committee which basically includes school representatives, council representatives, the chairman of the county council, and he wanted a farmer representative to go on this steering group to oversee trying to coordinate 
the production of the food and the facilitation of getting it into the schools in a fashion that they could use. And after several goes, he invited me to be on the steering group. Well, we'll hear lots more about that, I'm sure, in future episodes. And uh, I learned from David Howard that if you want to go completely peat-free, leaf mould is the key. So, there we are for another week on the Wiggly Sofa. It's been a joy, an absolute pleasure to be with you, <laughs> Rich. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Why do you say it like that? Well, it's just been a tough one, hasn't it, really? It has, yeah. it has today, yeah. But yeah. never mind. Next week, we will have a video cast of how to maintain your can of worms. <laughs> oh, no. <Woo. laughs> Lauren Hardy, right again. <laughs> oh. Bye. Bye from me. Bye. So, guys, we're, we're not having the chocolate rating then, after all. Oh, f***! <laughs> There's my comedy outro. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be Heather's first beat.